Well, good afternoon, everybody. Woo! So glad to see you today. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. And you guys look awesome today. Let me just say that. It's still the new year. I know that some of you already gave up on whatever new year stuff that happened in your life or you wanted to happen, but it's still the new year, and I'm still fired up, and I hope you are as well. We're so glad you're here. Uh, a couple things before we jump off into the message. Today is a huge day for us as a church, uh, not because of what we're doing, or what we're, uh, but because of who we're part of. We're part of a, a network of churches called ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and ARC exists solely to plant life-giving churches. And so every month, um, out of your generosity, we send funds to ARC. It's not a, a denomination. Uh, it's not even trying to be anything like that. It's just simply a church planting, uh, empowering, uh, coaching, equipping to, for guys who are starting churches, and then uh, it resources them, and they do that because of folks like you. And today, today, uh, there are 25 ARC churches being launched today all across North America. And that's awesome because you're part of that. Everybody, you're part of that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And here's what that means. You're like, well, what does that mean, 25 churches? Because ARC trains their people so well to start churches big, uh, that means that tens of, probably tens of thousands, well, thousands of people will gather today in churches that have never existed before today. And hundreds of people, I promise you, hundreds of people will give their lives to Christ today. And you have a hand in that. So whether you ever know these people or whether you ever go to those churches, you're part of that. I just want to say a big thank you um, from, from ARC and from us as well, because uh, it's a big deal. God, God bless you guys so much for that. And then lastly, um, groups are starting. You just saw that. Their groups are forming right now. I think we have 21 or two groups that are forming, and you can get more information about that. But listen, at LifePoint, it's just our expectation, and we don't mean to be pushy or anything, but that if this is home for you, that you're just going to join a group, that that's what we do here. We, we gather in groups, and we get our lives changed in groups, and we have friends in group, and we get supported in groups. We get loved on. We get encouraged. We get celebrated in groups, and it's the best way um, to, 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 get, to get a family in your life, a spiritual family, is to do that. So check that out. You can sign up online. You can do it on our app, uh, and I promise you, you won't regret doing that, so do that. We're in the series called You uh, in Five Years, and we're going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, I'm a little fired up today, so I might, I might be louder than normal. I, might, I don't know what I might do. There could be crazy stuff that I say. I always say crazy stuff, but it could even be worse today. I don't know what's going to happen. I just want you to know ahead of time that I might be louder than usual. I might can't be longer than usual. I'm always too long, right? Anyways, some of you are like, oh man, this guy's a long one. But we'll have fun along the way. There, there's, this, um, there's this Chinese proverb. Who knows if it's Chinese or not, but it's attributed to Chinese proverbs. Um, almost everything that's smart and wise is always, you ever notice that? It's a Chinese proverb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, but you've heard some iteration, some uh, derivative of this that says that every, even a journey of a thousand miles begins with what? A single step. Like we, we all know this, and that's, that's, that's kind of inspiring because sometimes when we think about how far we have to go in five years to become whatever that we're wanting to be or whatever God wants to do in our lives, it can just seem overwhelming. But no matter how long the journey, whether it's five miles or 50 miles, it all starts the same way every journey does with a single right step. And if you keep stepping in the right direction, eventually you'll cover that, 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 that space and you'll get where you want to go. That's good news, except it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because direction matters. And if you're headed in the right direction, every step matters and you're going to get there little by little. But if you go a thousand miles in the wrong direction, step by step, day by day, and you don't reverse course, you end up actually 2,000 miles away from where you wanted to be. 
every step in the wrong direction is two steps away from where I need to be. Direction matters. Can I get an amen? amen? The path that I'm walking on matters. It doesn't matter what my intentions are. It matters the direction that I'm actually headed. Not where I wish I could be heading, but where I'm actually headed. And the truth is that we get exactly where we want to be and we get where we don't want to be in the same exact way. One step at a time. One step at a time. One day at a time. The series is You in Five Years. And we're asking ourselves, who will we be in five years? And then we're asking ourselves an even more important question is, who do we want to be in five years? And am I on the path, the right path, headed in the right direction that's going to take me where God wants me to be? And if I don't, if I don't, change, if I don't get on the right path, every day I stay on the path is taking me two days away from where I want to be. Direction matters. And I want to look at a, a story today um, that appears in the Bible in two different places, two parallel uh, uh, parts of the Bible, Deuteronomy and Exodus, uh, with a small uh, difference that's going to help us out a lot. And the message today is little by little. Would you say that with me? Little by little. Lord, thanks so much for this moment, for this opportunity. May your word come alive. May the story take root in our heart. May we be uh, convinced that, that, that progress is inevitable and, it's, it, and we, can, we can make it happen. May we be convinced that, that you are with us, that you are for us. And may we learn from today and be inspired and empowered to, do, to take the next right step. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A little backstory before we get to the story. And this, this little backstory is more like a lot of backstory, all right? So hang with me. Um, one of the most prominent figures in the Bible is unquestionably a guy by the name of Abraham. Probably you've heard about him, even if you're not a Bible person, even if you're not a Christian, you've heard of Abraham. He was named Abram prior to this encounter with God that we're going to describe here in a moment. And he was a fairly regular guy, a normal guy in in sort of every kind of way, except that he had uh, a God who made him some amazing uh, promises. And he says to him one day, Abraham, you're going to be uh, a great nation uh, and your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky. And of course, he says this because it's nighttime and Abraham is looking at the stars of the sky and God says that your family lineage is going to look like that. You're going to have so many kids. It's like bigger than the Duggar family, the Duggar family. They're going to make a show about you. Now, here, here is the most interesting thing about this is that Abram and his wife were like, next level old. You know, I'm like, like I know I'm old to some of you, but like even older than me, you know what I'm saying? Like way older than me. And here's the other fact is that they had no children and were incapable up until their old age of of creating offspring. And so God says to this old childless man, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means something like father of many. Now Abraham's thinking, this is pretty cool. There's a voice from nowhere talking to me right now, but I'm pretty sure he's got the wrong Abram. I think it's Esau's brother down the road. That guy is young enough to have kids. Like, I'm going to head to Target in a little bit to get some diapers, but they're for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Not my my kids. Uh, It's kind of funny. Me and my wife are going to get some diapers, but yeah. Anyways, um, but, but however impossible it seemed, he believed God. Okay, okay, God. I'm going to trust you on this. I don't know how. Like, this is how bad it was. Later on, Paul the Apostle would write in Romans chapter 4 about him. He said that God waited until his body wasn't, quote, I quote, as good as dead (laughs) to fulfill the promise. 
And that's not a compliment, by the way, right? Abraham's like later on when he receives what Paul's writing, he's like, what? Come on, man, I'm not as good as dead. I still got some magic left in these, you know, old bones or whatever. And, and, and why would you have to write that? Like, and I, I, I don't know, I thought about that today and I thought, that's kind of funny, I'm going to say that. Anyways, um, and yet, like, like on his profile on a dating app, he's like, body style, good as dead. You know what I'm saying? Swipe right. Anyways, um, I'll stop, I'll stop. And, and yet, in spite of this, Abraham believed God. Believed God on the spot, and the Bible says that God, now listen here, accounted it to him as righteousness. Like, what I mean is that Abraham's faith, his blind trust in God, was put into a sort of eternal account that says, this guy, because of what he did right here, because of his faith, is right with God. That it was accredited to him into his account as a very righteous thing. Like, it made him right with God, his faith. And this, by the way, it's not my message, but it's a, such a foundational doctrine in the Christian faith. Why? Because that's faith. Genesis to Revelation, that's faith. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is believing God no matter what. Faith is trusting that what God has said will happen, will happen no matter what it looks like right now. Faith is, tr- is, is believing and trusting that God is who God said he is and that God can do what God said he can do. And that's a fact. That, that matters. And that, by the way, is how anyone who is saved is saved ever, right? Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by uh, our Salvation is by grace, uh, which is God's free gift to us, but it's access through faith that it, it comes apart from any works, good things that you could do or that I could do to earn it ourselves. It is free and it has been fully paid for, but it will only ever be accessed by what Abraham did, faith. We believe him, we trust in God, and we are, the Bible says, uh, we, are, we are made right with God. Salvation isn't I don't know how you grew up, but salvation isn't behave and get saved. It's believe and receive. That it's free. It's the free gift of God. That's how you tap into God's grace. That's how you receive uh, positional righteousness before God. And that's what Abraham did. And so he models for us what it looks like to walk by faith. Fast forward a bunch of years, like a whole bunch of years, and God does keep his promise. And Abraham's offspring become like the sand of the sea, and, 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 and they do uh, become a, a nation over time. But in this period of time that we're going to look at today, they are now a, a, a collection of human beings, a massive collection of human beings who have become slaves uh, uh, for 400 plus years in the nation of Egypt. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to Egypt today and you see the pyramids and you see the monuments that are there, many of those were built, at least in part, on the backs of Abraham's family tree. Those stars as, as myriad as the, as the skies, that happened with those people. And after 400 years plus, their cries, their, their desperation, their pain, God says, like, I've heard them. They're moving me. And, and so he says, it's time for them to come out of bondage and slavery. And, and so if you know the story of the Bible at all, you know about a guy named Moses that God raises up to deliver them. And he becomes this type, this image of Christ Um, when you look at Moses and you see how he leads those people out of bondage, out of slavery, this is exactly what Jesus would later on do. And Moses himself says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, there's a guy coming behind me, there's a prophet, he calls him, who's like way better than me and he's going to for once and for all lead you out and deliver you out of sin, out of bondage, out of bondage to fear and death and the grave and hell and the captives and the cap door. And of course he's talking about Jesus. 
And so as Moses leads them out of Egypt, this is a picture of us being led out of sin and out of slavery with our faith in Christ Jesus. And then they went across the Red Sea. If you remember the story, the waters part, and they walked through the waters. And this is a picture of baptism, by the way, which we are doing in our new tank right here. Check it out, y'all. Y'all can't see it, but it's awesome and it's cool. Uh, literally, it's cool because the heater was not strong enough because we got a lot more water than we used to have. So just a little toe and go, oh, dear God, and then we'll baptize you real fast and you can jump out. Anyway, it's going to be awesome. This is, this is all way back in Old Testament. This, was, this whole idea of baptism was coming to pass, right? But, but this isn't the end of the story. Them marching through the Red Sea is not the end of the story um, because they had been promised a promised land. Like God's not going to just take you out of slavery and dump you out in the wilderness and say, fend for yourselves. He's got a destination. He's got a you in five years that he sees. And so he's got a, he's got a promised land that he's gonna, that's flowing with milk and honey, right? And I don't even know what milk and honey, like, like when I imagine that, I'm saying like it's a land that flows with big red and carne guisada. You know what I'm saying? Like that I can get on board. Like milk and honey, what am I going to do with a lot of milk and honey? But carne guisada and big red, I'm in, man. I'm down. Anyways, um, I just saw that they're going to have a barbacoa and big red festival. And I'm, y'all, anybody want to go with a brother? Like, come on, let's, let's get like a bus load and go down there and just dominate that place. Like eating and praying for folks, you know what I'm saying? Anyway. Just because they've come out of Egypt, just because they've walked through the, the Red Sea, doesn't mean that they've entered into the promises of God. You see, too many people mistake faith as, in Christ as a sort of get out of hell free card. Like, like, like the end of our faith and relationship with God isn't just, oh, you don't go to hell, you get to go to heaven. That's just the starting gun, right? There's a, there's a, there's a calling on your life. There, there, is, there, is, there is God wanting to use your life and mine to shake the very foundations of hell to make it hard for people to go to hell. Come on, somebody. Like, like there, there's a calling in your life. There's potential inside of you that God himself, Ephesians 2 says that God himself put inside of you that you are his, quote, masterpiece, that there is plans and, and vision and dreams for you to walk in. Not, not just to avoid hell, but there's, there's amazing things to be done. And, and so tragically, the Israelites, they don't understand this. And so they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And that's a picture of so many, listen now, who have a saved soul but a wasted life. That you're not becoming, we're not becoming more like Jesus and we're not accessing all that God has for you. You're like, we're just content to show up on a Sunday and go, woo, that's good, right? And that's a waste, because God has so much more for everyone. I don't care what your story is. God has something amazing for you. And, and really, if you, as you read the Old Testament, and sometimes it's confusing, it's like, what is that there for? All of it, all of it is like a funnel pointing to one man, Jesus Christ, and a better way, and a new covenant, and a new testament. All of it, all of it is pointing towards Jesus. And, 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 but, but see, the thing is, is, is that coming out of, out of sin and out of bondage and, 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 and being saved is not all that there is. We, we don't want to be in five years who we are today. Like we, we want to see God change us so much that if we were to bump into our future selves of five years from now, we wouldn't even recognize ourselves. And we'd be like, man, look how slim and fit. And check out that six pack, y'all. Like, y'all don't, I don't know what y'all's dreams for yourself is, but like I have, a, I'm, I'm speaking that over my life from faith. Come on, y'all. Like, slimmer and awesomer and like more hair. Like I'm imagining like, whoo. <laughs> like not, God's not even going to do that for me. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to believe though, right? Faith. So, so all of that to get us right here. Where this is what we're talking about now. You're like, why didn't you just skip to this part? Because I'm going somewhere. So they're, they're about to leave Egypt. 
They've gathered themselves. The Pharaoh has said, you can go. The, the, plague, the 10 plagues have come down. It's been bad. God's done incredibly miraculous things to get them to this point. But they're afraid because all they have is a slave's mentality. 400 years. Generations. We don't know how to go out. We don't know how to do anything but be the way we've always been. And God's saying, hey, listen, I got a promised land for you. I got a vision for your life. And here's what he says to them. This is his pep talk. Exodus 4.13, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today because they're coming behind them, you will never see them again. The Lord, him, the Lord himself is going to fight for you and you need only to be still. Now, after all of the miracles that they've seen and witnessed to this point, after all the, the powerful, like, holy cow kind of ways that God has already moved on their behalf. Why does he have to say this to them? Well, because it's not going to be easy to get to the promised land. Progress is hard, y'all. You know what I'm saying? And one thing I know about our spiritual enemy, the devil, is he hates to see us make progress, and he will fight it every single time, every time. And I know that's not an encouraging word, but it is the truth. I bring that up because you need to know that it's not going to be easy for you to become who God had in mind when he thought you up. You in five years, that's some work. That's, that's hard. And, and it's much easier to stay stuck or headed in the wrong direction with my bad temper or our, our unhealthy habits. It's easier just to stay lazy and, and to make excuses and to be gossipy and, and critical and angry and wishy-washy and self-centered. It's easy not to do anything but want everything and feel entitled to everything. That's the easiest thing in the world, and we've got a lot of people who do that every day of their lives. You, you don't have to do anything for your life to pass you by. But you're not going to enter into all of the great things that God has packed inside of you when he thought you up if you don't take some next right steps forward. You will not see it. You will not see the, quote, promised land, whatever it is that God's placed in your heart, if you do not fight for it. So the Israelites, God's people, they're about to step into the promised land. And God wants them to know, hey, listen, it's going to be hard for you to get there. You're going to have to fight for it. And there are going to be nations that are going to come and try to keep you from taking what I've promised you because they're not going to say, oh, here, take our houses, take our farms, take everything. We'll just, we'll just go somewhere else. They're not, they're not going to do that. In fact, the Bible describes them, and this is what God says to them, they're great and mighty nations. And they're like, man, why can't they be pitiful and puny? Why do they got to be great and mighty? You know, like, look at us. We're, we, we don't, we've been malnourished. We've been starved. We've been making bricks. We don't know how to fight. We don't know how to battle. And it was exactly the reason that Israel was scared to go up against them. It's the reason that God's giving them this pep, pep talk about, hey, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Because these nations, they're greater and they're mightier than we are. And that's why God says this, this to them. And because they felt so small, God knew they would be af afraid and weak, afraid of failure. I wonder if you've ever had that happen in your life. You ever felt that way before? Like the hole I've dug myself into, all the years that I've wasted, all the time that I should have been doing this and going in this direction, I realize how far I am from where I need to be. I just don't think I can do it. But can I just say this and I'm going to move on? Your weakness plus God's strength is the perfect recipe for God to do amazing things in your life. Go, look, go read your Bible. You'll find that your weakness coupled with his strength is always going to be enough. Because at one point he says, my grace is what? It's enough. So that no matter how much that you need, the old word was sufficient, no matter how much you need, you know what enough means? Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter how many times I got to go to the well, it's enough. It's always going to be enough. And that's where they are. And some of you, 
Can, can I just get up in, in some of y'all's business for a minute? And by doing so, I'm getting up in my own business, okay? This is not, Danny is, on, is the guru on the mountain. He knows what's up. I don't. I'm getting into my business by getting into yours. So some of us are afraid to dream of anything other than your current reality. And because your current reality has been your story for longer than you can remember. And the idea that you could take new ground seems completely impossible to you. So you just stop dreaming. So you just stop dreaming. Some of you, it's been a very long time since you've had a fresh word from the Lord, a fresh idea, a fresh dream. Danny, well, here's what could happen in your life if you'll trust me. Danny, here's what could happen in your marriage if you'll trust me. Danny, here's what could happen in your finances if you'll trust me. Some of you have stopped dreaming because you look at you and you look at your obstacles and they seem like giants compared to you, a grasshopper from your own perspective. And so you say, I'm out. And this is, exactly, this is exactly what they were feeling later on in this story, which I'm not going to get into it very much. They had, they had sent some spies, 12 of them, to go spy out the land that that themselves in five years. Let, let's see what that's going to look like. And, and so they, they go to the promised land. And 10 of them, they come back and they say, no way, man, we're out. There, there are, we can't do this. There are giants in the land. And so you know what they listened? They listened to the 10, not to the two. That's like, look at these giant grapes. Look at this incredible, we can do this. And they don't listen to the two, they listen to the 10. They listened to the crowd. They were surrounded by crowds who said, ah, you can't do that. Don't even, why, why even change, man? You're fine the way you are. And you know what they do? They don't step out in faith. They don't take next right steps. And so they spend 40 years of their lives until an entire generation dives off, taking steps in the wrong direction and getting further and further and further away from the promised land that God had said, hey, trust me and we can go there. Honestly, some of us haven't plugged into this series in any meaningful way because we simply do not have the capacity at our current level to, to, because of stuff that's happened to us recently or something that's ha happened to us in the past that has us stuck. And my encouragement for the rest of this message is that when you can't see anything good in your present and you can't envision anything big in your future, sometimes the best thing to do is be still and look in the past. Look in the rearview mirror. Now, what does that mean? It sounds like you're saying the exact opposite of what you've been saying. Hang on now. The idea here is that when I can't see anything good five days from now, much less five years from now, um, like sometimes the best thing we can do is to stop, to stand still, and to look back because that's what God says to them later on in another place. Look at what God says to them in a parallel version of the same story, Deuteronomy 7. He says to them, listen, this is after the pep talk. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can we dispossess them? How can we kick them out? You should not be afraid of them, but, but you shall remember well. Listen, here's the key. You shall remember well what the Lord your God did, past tense, to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Like the moment that you look ahead and say, this is bigger than me, I want you to stop and I want you to go, yeah, but look what God did for me back there. And I want you to remember what God did back here because it'll, it, it's going to empower you up. Yes, it's bigger than you. Yes, it's stronger than you. But what, what I've seen God do, he can do it again. He's, I've seen him move a mountain. He can do it again. I've seen him heal. He can do it again. I've seen him set free. He can do it again. I've seen him deliver. He can do it again. He can do it again. And you take a bold step forward knowing. Not, I'm not walking now by what I see. I'm walking by what I've seen. Okay, anyways, that was a good word. All right. I love what he tells them here because he's telling them, as you move forward, 
as you start to take up ground, I don't want you to look at your limitations. I don't even want you to look at your oppositions or your obstacles. Matter of fact, I want you to put a blindfold on for the future and just look in the rearview mirror and remember what I've already done for you. And that's why, that's why 21 days of prayer and fasting, which some of you are so grateful that it's over now. You're like, dear God, I ate a donut when I came in today and it was like manna from heaven. You know what I'm saying? manna from heaven. And some of you, I heard Jamal and Jai told me this morning, they were like, hey man, at 12.05 last night, we went to Logan's and ate a steak. <laughs> Just be like, dear God, I'm so weak, I can't hardly even cut this meat right now. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about right there. People who love some meat, you know. God, you know what the word, you know what the word incarnate means? Just FYI, old redneck joke, right? Incarnate means God with meat. That's what it means. Proof that God is not a vegetarian, y'all. Come on, somebody. That's, that's a word from the Lord. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Let me figure out what I'm talking about again. Oh, yeah. The thing about prayer and fasting 21 days like this is that God will have probably shown you something. You may not even recognize it yet. He will probably have given you some promises. He will probably have stoked your imagination to believe for something that you used to not be able to believe for. But you're going to walk out into a very hard bit of progress. All these steps are hard, and you're going to have to remember in the dark what God showed you in the light. You're going to have to remember that so that you can stand and go, I'm going to go on. This is why, do you remember when David is about to face Goliath? Do you know what he does to himself? you know how he stokes himself? He's like, hey, listen, God came up on me one time and I killed a bear. God came up on me another time and I killed a lion. So this, this dude out here, this loudmouth punk out here, God's going to come up on me again and I'm going to take that brother down and I'm going to cut off his head. And why does he fire him up like this? He fires up remembering what God's already done. Like, I can't take this guy, but I'm going to take him anyways. Like, because I couldn't take a bear and I couldn't take a lion, but every step of the way, God was with me. And this is why he's doing that. He's encouraging himself, not with what he's seeing, but what he's seen in the past. And when you face something different, difficult, you just have to remember how God was faithful to you when you went through the past difficult situation that you thought, no way am I coming out of this. And yet here you are, you came out of it. Wherever you're looking at the ground, you have to take, and it seems too hard. Look back, look back. God says, remember that I'm with you. Remember what I did at the Red Sea. Remember how I smote the Egyptian army. Remember that Nile River turned into blood. Remember that I'm God and I'm still in control and I'm bad to the bone, everybody. <laughs> like, like, you don't think he said that? Look at this next verse, verse 21. He said, don't be terrified of them for the Lord your God, the great and awesome, the bad to the bone God is amongst you and the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, let's go take them. And then he goes, little by little. Well, what? I don't like little by little. Like, I'm ready to run at them right now and just bust a move. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. Hey, fellas, we're going to go at them hard. It's going to be hard, but we're only going to be able to do this little by little because you are unable in your current form to destroy them all at one time. Little by little. It's going to be little by little. Not what they wanted to hear. I guarantee you they did not want it. They were fired up about the pep talk until that point. Exodus 23, same story, different book. We get one extra detail that explains so much. And this is where we're going to kind of land for a little while. It says in verse 29, I will not drive them out before you in one year. Like he's giving them scope. Like I want you to know what we're about to do right now. This is why we didn't preach about you in one year. This is why we didn't do that. This is you in five years because what God wants to do in your life is bigger than one year. I'm not going to drive them out before you in one year lest the land become desolate. And the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Now, this is all weird. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Now, listen. 
They're coming into a land that's got houses and nations and farms and all this amazing stuff where people right now are mowing the grass and washing the windows and changing the oil. And y'all don't even know how to change the oil because you've been slaves all this time. And neither does Danny because my dad was like, he's the baby. I'll teach the other boys, but eh, by the time he gets around, I just quit on him. And so now I have to pay $90 every time I get my oil changed, you know? That's probably, I don't know why I threw myself under the bus like that, but I just felt like it. Like, like if I send you out there and run all these people out, you don't know how to grow crops. You don't know how to tend house. You don't know how to change the oil. And if I send you out there, it's going to be too much for you. And so, so he says, verse 30, little by little, I will drive them out before you. And now look at this note. Until you have increased. You know what that means? Until you have grown then you'll inherit the land. Now, let's deal with that for just a second. God's saying, hey, listen, trust me. Don't be afraid. I have all the power in the universe. And if you doubt it, I want you to stop and I want you to remember what I just did for you. And if you doubt it, just remember what I did bring you out of the rearview mirror. Look out of Egypt. Look in the rearview mirror. But also know, also know, I'm not going to use all my power on your behalf all at once. I'm going to meter it out little by little, one drop at a time. As you fight each and every battle, as you go day by day, it's not going to happen in one year. Israelites, it's going to take a long time for you to get where I want you to go. Now, now why would God do this? A couple of reasons, I think. I can think of more. Number one, because if God gives them all of their wins all at once, why do they ever need to depend on him again? Like, if there are no struggles, if God just handed you and, and me a big old bucket of winds, how would ever we grow? Because you don't grow in the winds. You don't grow on top of the mountain. You grow climbing up the mountain. You, like, that, this is why it boggles my mind when I see parents who are like, I don't want my kids to have to experience anything struggling in life. Like, like, like how do you think you got where you are? Because you struggle, because you battle, because you fought, and you grow. Like, oh, no, no, I'm going to shield them and protect them from all of that. And then they're going to turn into the whole world we got going on right now, afraid of everything. Saw this dude yesterday at, at the Pearl, went down to the farmer's market, and there's this dude trying to jam this tree into his car. He had like a Fiat. And I'm like, I want to say, bro. And he's on the phone, and I could tell he's calling his dad, come rescue me, dad, because I got a tree that doesn't fit my Fiat. It's like, bro, do you know you drive a Fiat? That's a tree. <laughs> but his dad didn't tell him this, and now, dad, please come rescue me. Me and Philip don't know how to get this tree in our, and I'm like, I'm going to break that tree on your backside, boy. I'm gonna... Anyways, I got a little, I told you I might say some stuff that I don't know what I'm saying. Just give me a break. Why would I ever need to pray again if God answered next year's prayers for me right now? Why does God lead us one step at a time? Why does he say that's how he's going to do it? Why does he give us one day's worth of strength at a time? Why, why does he say that the sufficient for today is all of its troubles? Like you don't, you got enough troubles tomorrow, stay, focus on the day. Why does he say that we should give, pray, God give us this day our daily bread. Why can't he just go back up to Costco with a bread truck because they got six billion there and they'll sell them to you all at one time and then just take them and give me all the bread I'm ever going to need all at one time. Why? Because bread is perishable. Victory, listen, is perishable. Success lasts only for a little bit and it's got to be worked at actively day by day. I'm going to need God every day. I'm going to have to walk with God every day. We've got to go every day and trust and believe in him. He's going to allow things to happen sometimes in our life that are going to think he, he spun me out of control, but he's going to give us just enough power in the moment that we need it. Not a moment sooner and not a moment too late for us to get through that thing too. And you need to remember this. It's one step at a time, one battle at a time, one victory at a time, little by 
little. There's a second reason that he, he, he actually cites. He says, I can't drive out all the enemies who are currently living in these places that I'm going to actually have you uh, to live in and eventually because if I drive them out now, you guys aren't grown enough to handle the blessings yet. In Exodus 23, he adds that detail. I can't give it to you all at once. I'm going to wait until you have, quote, have increased. In other words, I can't give you this all at one time. One, one, it's got to come one day at a time. It's got to come one battle at a time until you've grown, until you can handle all that I have for you. It's the small steps. It's the little battles. It's the small victories that grow us and prepare us for the big blessings to come. And if you can't grow and if you can't increase in the small things, I can't dump this bucket of blessings into your life. You can't handle it. You can't handle the truth <laughs> until you grow. Some 80s people know what I'm saying right now. <clears throat> God actually promises them, listen, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat food from, from, from crops that you didn't plant. You're going to drink fresh water from wells that you didn't dig. Like, and that's a picture of the favor and the blessings of God. And, and I just want to speak this word over some people in this room today. God has favor in your future. There's blessings coming in your future. You're going to walk into things that you didn't even build, that you didn't even do. And people are going to be like, that's not fair that she gets to do that. That's not fair that he gets to do that. And God's going to bless you in ways that's going to cause you to rejoice and other people to hate on you. I'm just throwing that out there. But I can't give it to you all at once. You won't be ready to handle it i got to prepare you for the favor and the blessings one battle at a time, one step at a time, one growth season at a time because progress is painful and success must be fought for because it's growing you. The struggle is growing you little by little and one day at a time. And people are going to say about you, oh, he's an overnight success or, or she came out of nowhere. And you're going to be saying, no, that's not true at all because I've been on a long journey of a thousand miles and I had to fight for it step by step with the Lord at my side, battling the battles with me and for me. And he's growing me day by day and little by little. And then one day, boom, he dropped the whole thing on you. Why? Because you were finally grown up enough to handle that. And some of you are like, well, it's not fair that God's blessing him. You don't know the struggles that this man's had to go through to get where he has. Anyways, so trust me, trust me, it's always going to start little by little, day by day. It, it, it's a drip campaign. It's gradual. That's a word for somebody, day by day, little by little. That victory isn't one huge thing and all of a sudden, I'm undefeated, everybody. No, it's the small things continually repeated, one city at a time for them, one battle at a time. First it was the Hishbites, and then it was the Glemulites, and then it was the Termites. And by the way, I made all those up, <laughs> but they sounded really Old Testament-like, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, I can't even say those words, so I'm just going to make my own words up. <laughs> the ter you will face Termites, I'm telling you. No Glemulites or Hishbites, but Termites for real. And they will take it down, baby, if you don't deal with them, right? See what I'm saying? This, 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 they, they had to keep going. These people had to keep going day after day, week after week. And now I want you to notice something. The first place they have to go through after they cross over Jordan, after they cross into this new space of God blessing and God using, the first place they have to deal with is Jericho. This, this 30 foot thick walled city, this, this icon of that age where like nobody, it's this impenetrable fortress. 
Jericho, the seemingly most difficult, because it's those first steps in any right direction that are always going to be the most difficult. Because what you're going to say is, yeah, I'm fired up, and I'm going to go out there, and as soon as you step out, bam, your enemy's going to punch you right in the mouth, and you're going to fall back on your rear end. And it's in those moments you've got to decide, am I going to get back up? I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to take that step again. I'm going to fight these battles. Or will I retreat like I did last year and the year before and the year before that and the five years before that and stay stuck in the same old way I've always been? You've got to decide. Because then, after Jericho, it was on to the hill country and it was into this city and there was this fortified embankment and there were battles stretching on. He says it's not going to come in one year even. In fact, when you read the book of Joshua, the major battles lasted a period of seven years, and then there were some mop-up campaigns to follow that. So, so it was meant to be this continually repeated thing, day after day, week after week, month after month, same right steps, same right steps. And I, need to think, I think we may need to rethink what it's going to take you in five years. Because throughout this series, we've been saying, what's the dream of our heart? What could you accomplish in five years that you would never be able to accomplish in one year? And I think that we have to make steps that are smaller if we're going to ever give the, get, get there. I, I gave you the book Atomic Habits a few weeks ago. I didn't give it to you, but I told you about it. And it's all about micro habits. It's all about these little small changes that we make incrementally that become sustainable, that, that, that generate wins. And, and you, you have to break a, a journey of 1,000 miles into bite-sized pieces or you'll be overwhelmed. Those of you who have little kids, you know every Bucky's, we've got to stop there if we're going to get somewhere we've got to go. <laughs> Plus they have... They have like some amazing pimento cheese with crackers that you need to have. <laughs> I'm hungry, y'all. I'm ready to eat. I'm going to stop talking just so I can go eat. Now, let me, let, me, let me finish like this. You're going to feel overwhelmed sometimes in life on your journey to promised land. And you're going to have to remember in those days where you want to throw in the towel and you want to quit on those days where you actually took a sack and not only did you not go forward, you went 10 yards backwards. What am I going to do now? You're going to have to remember all the progress that God's already done in your life, all the victories that God's already won. You've got to stand still in those moments when you can't see how am I going to get forward? How am I going to get through this? You've got to remember what God's already done to you because here's what's going to happen. In the, in, in the remembrance of what God's done for you, you begin to reorient yourself to who God is and what he's already done. And in the remembrance of that, it gives me strength for another day. It gives me courage to fight my next battle. Because when you feel uncertainty overshadowing you and incarcerating you and freezing you up, you just stand still, God says. Stand still and remember what I've already done on your behalf. You stop what you, you're doing and you, and you listen for direction for a still, small voice. And listen, if you can't hear anything, then you go down memory lane and you remind yourself what God has already done for you, the times that he spared your life. Some of you would say, five years ago, I never dreamed I would be where I am today. I thought it was over. I thought it was done. I thought I'd never survive that. I thought my business, I thought my marriage, I thought my relationships, I thought I would never survive that. And here you are, that God made a way where there seemed to be no way. That the times that you were hopeless, the times that you had no direction, the times when you simply had no answer, the time when you felt like there is no future, and you look back at those times and you're like, but there was a future. 
But there was an answer. But there was hope. And here I am today. I'm not preaching a word to you. I'm, pre- I'm preaching a word to me. That when you're going through a tough time and a painful time and a time when you have no idea what's happening, when you don't know the answers and you don't know how the situation is going to resolve your, 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 itself. And when you don't have the goodness of God in your rearview mirror, then you'll find ways to quit. And you'll find ways to cheat. And you'll find ways to walk out the door. And you'll find ways to seal off your heart. And, and you'll find ways to build up barriers and live in anger and live in cynicism and, and, and tough times to say, financial times, I can't be generous. I won't be generous. God hasn't been good to me. But you stop. How did I get right here? Oh, yeah. It was the goodness of God. And you look around in your life. And I, I guarantee you, if you back up and you look around in your life, you will find something, some story, some memory, some icon that reminds you, oh, yeah. In that season, I thought there was no hope. There was no help. God came through. Can I, can I tell you I have one that I keep in my office? For those of you wondering why the pig's sitting here. I have this pig that sits in my little curio cabinet in my office. And this pig came in a season of our, our church's history where we were stuck. We were at the 4-H club. We'd been there for several years with very little growth, if any. And we'd grow a little bit, and then we'd lose some ground. And we'd grow a little bit, and we'd lose some down ground. And we were stuck, man. And, and I, I felt hopeless, and I felt like there's nothing we can do. And the Lord spoke to me, you're going to have to do something big. You're going to have to take a big step. And so we were like, what do we do? And he's like, just let, let's call the church to give. People, people leave your, they might leave your church because people who, who, when you say, hey, church, let's give, that's what we, that's our, that's our act of worship. People are like, well, that church, all they want to talk about is money. Doesn't matter if you only talk about it one-tenth of one percent of the time. Oh, that's all they ever do, right? And so you, like, if you're the pastor, you're like, oh, man, people are going to leave if I call them to, a, to challenge into money. And some people did. But a whole lot more people came. Some of you came during that season. And I was thinking, I don't know how we're going to buy land. We only had 130, 140 people. And we hired this company to help us think through what was next. And they were like, we've never worked with a church your size. And I was like, well, I paid you about a lot of money, bro. You better figure it out. <laughs> Catherine Hyland came at All In, campaign that we, we, we created for that. And she, we had an offering that day, and she brought this thing up here, put it up here. And it was filled with coins and change and, and some cash. And she, 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 they, her family wrote a check in addition to that. But she just did this. And she had no idea what she was doing with this thing for me. And I remember going, we got a pig. <laughs> we got to buy land or a building. We got a pig. But for me, this pig has represented the faithfulness of God in our life because we had no business buying the land that we bought. We had no business. That land, when we first started looking at it, Mark Garcia will tell you, that land, when we first started looking at it, Bill English will tell you, was $1.8 million. So we had no opportunity to buy that land. So we, asked, we told them we would, we would pay $525,000, and they took it. <laughs> and since that time, I thought, four years passed. Four, listen to me, four years passed. And I, was, I, looked at, I would sit in my office day after day and look out at that empty field going, we should have had a building by now. How, how do we not have a building? And then it was like, well, how in the world are you going to pay for a building? And I was like, I don't know. And I would look at the pig. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't have had a piece of land either. 
We had no business buying that land. We had no business investing in that. We weren't ready for that, but God made a way. The pig is my reminder. It's my icon. And then for years, we didn't have anything, and we were like, how in the world are we going to get a a loan? And we went to talk to them, and they kind of laughed at us. We can't loan you that kind of money. And then about, about 14, 15 months ago, we went in and they said, yeah, absolutely. You guys are ready. You've grown. You've increased your capacity. You've struggled day after day. You've, you've wrestled month after month. You've looked at that empty field day after day. We'll loan you the money. And yesterday, we poured a foundation for a brand, our brand new building. And over the last few months, I've been like, dear God, how are we going to make that payment every month? There. <laughs> at the pig. Feed the pig. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look at the pig. And this pig, just for me, it looks funny to you. Look, it's, it's got the smallest eyes ever. <laughs> this pig is the reminder of God's faithfulness, not only for this church, but for my, my wife and I. Day after day, week after week, struggle after struggle. God's saying, okay, now you're ready for what's next. And all through this journey, all through this journey, God has been growing me. God has been stretching me. God has been beating on me. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's what it felt like. But he's growing, and he's growing, and he's increasing. And listen, over the, over the over last year, we grew by 40% last year, you guys, 40%. This big, this, and, 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 we got, and you're like, where's everybody at? They came to the other two services. Anyways, <laughs> listen, day by day, week by week, struggle by struggle, God's forming, God's shaping, God's increasing, God's saying, yes, yes, you're, you're getting there, you're getting there. To, to the extent that, do we have battles now that we've got a foundation poured? Yeah, we got battles coming. Day by day, week by week, God's strengthening, God's growing, and one day, one day, one day. All right, Life Point, you're ready for what's next. That leadership team, strong, battle tested, weary sometimes, fighting through it. That dream team, best team in the world, I'll put our team up against any team. Loves God, loves Jesus, will serve, will be here day in, day out, week in, week in, out. Battle tested, day by day, little by little. All right, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to show you guys my power and my glory and the miracles that I have for you and the stories that you're going to tell your children and your children are going to tell their children about what God did. You remember that time when Danny had that crazy pig up there? What's in your story? What's in your backstory that you've forgotten about that would inspire you to take that next right step? Like, that's, my, that's my icon. You can't have it. And if you break it, I'm going bu- I'm, I'm to bust a cap. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I don't know why I carry a knife, but I just feel, I feel like a Texas boy with it. You know what I'm saying? And I'll find, I'll find anything to just cut with it because I have it. If you don't have a pocket knife, you don't know. Your life will be changed by a pocket knife. Come on, pocket knife guys in the house today? Yeah. Yeah, don't come jack with us. We'll take you out. I don't even know what I'm talking about again. Oh, yeah. Quickly, my story. I'm, I'm over time, but you already knew that. About 15 years ago, I went to a doctor. I had some stuff going on. Hey, bro, I'm going to run this test on you. Runs the test, comes back and says, hey, I don't know how else to tell you, bro, but you have an enlarged heart, and it's heart disease, and it's not good. I need you to come back for further tests. I walk out of there. I walk out of there, and I go to this conference, and there's a guy there that's saying, hey, God's given me 
a word for somebody who's got heart disease in this place today that God wants to heal you. Nobody prayed for me. No, I just raised my hand. That's me because I knew that was me. And I went back two weeks later. Y'all have heard this story. A lot of you have. I went back two weeks later and the guy goes, he runs these tests on me. He goes, hey man, I, I guess we had a mistake last week because it's totally normal. It's totally fine now. Your heart's good. Whatever you're doing, go, go on. So, so that when I got a di- diagnosis of kidney disease, do you think I was afraid of that thing? I, my wife will tell you. The doctor said, dude, are you okay? Because you're not freaking out about it at all. I said, I'm, not, I'm ready for it, man. Whatever it looks like, my God's already. I'm looking back in my rearview mirror, and I got a piece of paper, this EKG or echocardiogram or whatever, that said, hey, all, it's, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? Good. <laughs> and I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know what. I just know that in my past, God has healed me. Can, can I tell you about a time when I was about to get married to my beautiful wife and we didn't have two nickels to rub together. Now we have only four, but only back then we didn't even have two. <laughs> and I wanted to take her on, on an amazing honeymoon and we didn't have the money and she didn't have the money and we were short. It was back in the day when we used to pay cash for stuff. Y'all remember those days? Like we didn't just go, oh, let's just slide a credit card and get ourselves into a bunch of debt. My parents had pounded me. You don't get credit cards, Danny. You don't do debt. You don't do it. And they pounded at me. I was afraid of it. Like, I, like don't even get a card near me. It's like leprosy or whatever, you know? And so I didn't have the money. And I can't remember the exact number. It was like $600.29 or whatever it was. And I went to the Wells Fargo to get the rest of my money out, all that I had to go pay for our honeymoon. And when I got there, I don't know how, I don't know why, to the exact, the exact penny, there was enough there to pay for it in full. Now you say, well, that was a coincidence. No, no, no. My God said he gives me all things to enjoy, that he cares about the little details of my life, and he did that for me. I I could keep going. Matter of fact, I got like 15 little stories here, but I don't have time because I'm over time. What I'm saying is little by little, day after day, trusting God, counted for righteousness. That's my salvation. But it doesn't stop there. I got to trust God with my finances. I got to trust God with my business. I got to trust God with my career. And I got to trust God with my marriage. And I got to trust God with my kids day after day, week after week. And finally, one day, you end up in a place you never dreamed possible, a place of favor, a place of blessing. And other people go, they don't deserve that. You're right. They don't deserve it. But faithful day after day, week after week, month after month. And here we are. Here we are. You received that word this morning? Come on, you always, this afternoon or this evening, it's now evening time. <laughs> I want to pray for you. Lord, I don't know if anyone in this room needed this word today, but I certainly have, and I, I appreciate you so much for speaking to us in this way. God, just this reminder that and the difficulties and the challenges and the pursuits and the struggle, you're there. You're not going to take us out of it, but you're going to walk us through it. You're not going to take us out of it because we, you would cheat our process if we did that. And God, that's the last thing you want to do is cheat our process. But I'm looking at folks today, God, who I know have stopped dreaming, have stopped believing, can't imagine anything other than what they've always had. Because what they have is exactly what their parents had. The same struggle that their grandparents had, they're still struggling with those same things. But Lord, I believe today somebody's going to catch a vision for themselves in five years that looks so different from today. And we're not going to lie. and We're not going to say, hey, just do this and that. And it's going to be fine. No, we're going to say it's hard. It's going to be a struggle. And day by day, I'm going to have to walk it out mile by mile. But I'm pointed after you. My, my heart is after you, God. Like, like David, who the Bible says was a man after God's heart. 
Lord, that's who we are. We're going to be pursuing after your heart day by day, week in, week out, little by little, fight by fight, battle by battle, victory by victory. And here's the beautiful thing David says in Psalm 23, that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, some of us have experienced massive loss recently, not just the loss of people, but some of us have experienced that. And there's this part of us that just wants to quit. There's this part of us that just wants to throw in the towel. We've had a, a major defeat, a major failure. But God, you're right there. And the word of the Lord is, stand strong, stand firm, be still. Even if you can't see the future, even if you can't see any hope, remember what I've already done for you. Somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord today. Don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you walk out on that marriage. Don't you walk out on that family. Don't you walk out on that dream. Don't you quit that idea for the business God planted in your heart. Don't you dare stop one day at a time. Little by little, the voice of the Lord is saying to you, stand up, stand strong. And one day when you've grown and when you've increased, I'm going to pour so much blessing and so much favor on your life that you will not be able to believe it. And Abraham, God says to Abraham, through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, if you'll just go on this journey, if you'll just take this journey to Canaan's land, at the end of it, there's a blessing coming, and all of the world will be blessed through you. And you and I are sitting in this room today because one man said yes to the struggle, to the fight, to the failure, to the heartaches, to the beatdowns. He said yes, and he kept walking one foot at a time, one foot at a time. And some of you are in this place today, and you're the first person who's ever gone to college, and your whole family church. And you're the first person who's ever thought, I'll start a business. And you had no business starting a business. And you did because God spoke a word to you. And generations from now, two and three generations from now, there are going to be people standing on your shoulders because of your faithfulness today in this moment. The band's going to come. Matter of fact, I want you to stand with me. They're going to sing one last song, and I'm going to let you get out of here. But don't, please don't miss this moment. Don't miss this song right now. I want you to learn it's new for us. Look at these lyrics and let them empower you right now. <laughs>